This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have the Chris Benoit documentary on Dark Side of the Ring, the new WrestleMania schedule, the Wednesday Night Wars, and Zach's Kidney Stones, that and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Really? <laughs> Really? We just put that out there like I that? I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him. It's that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks. Welcome to the Band from Ringside Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagy, a.k.a. Brovid19. And <laughs> at, his, at his place in Illinois, we have the aforementioned Two Beers, Zach Pullman. What's going on, Two Beers, Zach? How much? I think that was a HIPAA violation. <laughs> do you want me to do it over? Do you want me to start over? Is that too much information? A, no, I was going to bring it up anyway because, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm always talking about stuff coming out of my dick anyway. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to make <laughs> And uh, sitting over there in University City, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Oh, God bless America. Allow us to pull down the latest edition of the Band for Ringside podcast. Oh, volume 148, chapter 3, verse 14, and the good spark saith, hashtag, move the heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Shout out to my girl, Becky Balboa. Um, interesting times. <laughs> That's all I can say. I, once again, I hate coming after Zach because I'm always at a loss for words, but I have to follow him up on this open second. I hate it. Well, I mean, he's got to follow you up on the two count every time. So, I mean, we got to let somebody go first, right? Yeah, I guess. It's about to say, my, well, my one count's not always great. I mean, you know, unless you got me ranting, I guess that's what it, it ultimately boils down to, but neither here nor there. Well, maybe we'll get you ranting today. Uh, I am coming at you from South St. Louis. Obviously, as you can tell, uh, this is a first. This is all three of us are in different places. This is Band from Ringside episode 148, Jason? 148. 148. This is the first time all three of us have been in different spots doing the podcast together. So uh, if the sound quality is a little less than what it usually is, we appreciate your patience with us. We just didn't want to go through. I mean, it's WrestleMania season, baby. We didn't want to not have. We can't not do the podcast. And it is it's the strangest WrestleMania season of all time. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get to that in a, in a little bit. Um Zach, how's it going? How you doing cooped up? I mean, I know you, you got the kids with you. How is quarantine going for you guys? Uh, it's going okay. Like, there are people in my house who are in need of much more social interaction than I am. So I'm fine. Uh, but, like, my wife, my teenage daughter, uh, they are struggling a little bit. Um, the little kids are doing pretty okay. Uh, at least for now, it hasn't been like too long, but like, I mean, for me personally, I want things to like get better so that people don't get sick and, you know, people can get back to work and their lives, you know, financially and stuff and health wise can get done. But I mean, like I can do this shit forever. I'm like Captain America. I'm like, I can do this all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to bring anybody down, but I think that we're still at the beginning of this thing. So, uh, everybody needs to really buckle in. And I think that uh, doing podcasts and listening to podcasts is a fun part of that. How about you, Jason? Uh, are you doing okay solo over there? Are you getting out of the house at all? Yeah, uh, I stepped out today because it, it just looked so nice. I was just like, you know, sorry, I'm just going to break the law again. You know, I went outside, you know, took a lap around the block. I mean, I got the cast here, so I mean, it's not like I'm solo dolo. I'm, I'm watching them getting ready to scrap here in like 30 seconds. I wish I had the video to watch. Yeah, here it goes. Yeah, they're getting ready to scrap. That's certainly, anyway, that's yeah, certainly yeah, the so, first time you've broken the law probably in your life, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Uh, before we get too far into it, Jason, why don't you tell us about F&B Eatery? F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 South Hampton, South Hampton and Marquette. Like I keep telling you guys, this is one of those times where especially where things are off and on, where – Times are changing at a hourly rate. Go to Facebook. Like them on Facebook because at this point in St. Louis, we are doing curbside service and takeout only. So for those who are possibly out and about that want to get away from cooking at home, just want to get something quick, 
to pick up and take back home, like their Facebook page. That way you can tell when they can are available to do uh, curbside service and take out when they're not because ours are, I would go with flexible at best. Like I said, if you're in the mood for a smash burger, check them out. 3453 South Hampton, F&B Eatery, tell them that Bam from Rick's All right. And without further ado, let's get into that three counts. One, two, three. JCB starts off. Uh, kind of want to do something a little different this week because this was a series that I kind of got into last year and I kind of thought it was really captivating. And then when I found out they were coming out with the season two and the season premiere was a two hour documentary on Chris Benoit that initially drew my attention to it, saw it and had to watch it. Uh, I've seen it twice now. I saw the part one on YouTube and then I saw the entire, uh, two-part series on Vice. I guess that was last night. Um, it, it was a gut punch, to say the least. Um, just watching some of those old matches, I remember how great I thought Chris Benoit was in the ring, just how I just intense, I guess, for lack of a better word, I would go with it. And seeing him and Eddie go through the ups and the downs, their crowning achievement at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I shed the tear. You couldn't, I mean, if you didn't, you're just, I mean, you're borderline just not human at this point. The second part was like, you knew it was going to come now, how bad, you know, how deep was this rabbit hole was going to go. And it went fairly deep where, you know, you've got everybody's different perspectives on it. And like I said, that part was the gut-wrenching part to me. You knew, for me, you knew what happened inside the ring. Now, what happened after the, the double murder-suicide and all that, getting into that and starting to really delve into everybody's different perspectives on it was the tough part about it. I don't know if it really changed my mind about Chris Benoit, ultimately. Um, I just don't think that they did what they really had to do in the sense that we told the story. Now, from that point, I'll let everybody judge how they want to judge Chris Benoit because it's just everybody's personal opinion. For me, great wrestler, horrible thing he did, and probably is just never going, if you want to just keep it wrestling related, probably will never go to the Hall of Fame because you just can't have him in the Hall of Fame because it'll be a, not about him Chris Benoit, the wrestler, will be about what he did outside of the ring, and that will be what it's ultimately all about. At the end of the day, I thought it was probably the best of the bunch that they've done so far. If it was a one-hour episode, I thought it would just be that good because this was a, a story that needed some sort of closure. And at the end, when you saw everybody having their closure, that to me was the best part of the whole thing because now people are healing and they're moving on with normal lives. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it, Go check that shit out. Zach, what was your big takeaway from uh, from the documentary? Uh, biggest takeaway was it's really hard to maintain an erection for two hours. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, really? No, but really, in all actuality, uh, the takeaway I had was that uh, Vice did a really good job with this. I, I didn't watch any of the first season of Dark Side of the Ring, so uh, the production value was really good. Um he had some really good guests, like uh, Jericho was great, Chavo was great, uh, Dean Malenko was great, and we got to, and uh, Nancy's sister was especially great, and so was Benoit's son. I really enjoyed all of their perspectives, and you know, seeing people that actually knew him, because Benoit was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up from like 1986, whenever I first saw him in WCW. The guy was just so great. Uh, you know, he was like my generation's version of the Dynamite Kid, which is sad, had a tragic ending. Uh, Dynamite Kid had a tragic ending, less tragic than Benoit, but so has everyone. Um, just really wild. And uh, But I did like the production of it. I spent the whole day like ensconced in this thing, which is a huge bummer, especially with all the other stuff going on. I really kind of put myself in a little bit of a funk because um, I watched the show 
And then I went on to um, F4W online and went back and read all of the um, figure four weeklies, like week to week on like, as like new details emerged and they could have done a three part or a four part documentary. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they left out, which is fine because I mean, every bit of it was just that much more of a bummer. It was even worse than what you imagine just from watching the, the documentary. So uh, yeah, pretty sad day all around. Um, I'll be glad to not uh, relive it. And I think uh, the biggest takeaway overall is uh, Vince McMahon was the real victim here. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it did not. I think my biggest takeaway, the moment that stuck with, I mean, the, the his son, David, just I didn't even know he had another son until I started watching it. Maybe that's on me, but when they when they when he sat down, I really I I felt for him. I I felt the way that he was talking about it at the beginning. You know, at the beginning he was smiling and talking about how his dad was his hero, and it, it affected me at the end when he said he's still my hero. And then at the end, see, I just got goosebumps even thinking about it when. He starts crying at the end, and then you realize that Chavo's been sitting there the whole time. And then you realize that uh, Nancy's sister has also been sitting there the whole time. It was it was really affecting. It was really well done. Um, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point. Like you guys said, obviously he was such an incredible worker and such a talent in the ring. Um, who really overcame his size and, and a lot of other shortcomings. You know, they didn't even talk about how he was not not really a great promo at all. Like, that was not his bag. Um, I thought, of, I like, I watched it last night. I've been thinking about it a lot today because when JR says, you know, we had a show to do, so we did the big tribute show to him, and... I've heard that line many times about the Raw after Benoit died. And then it was kind of like, you know, maybe you guys didn't have to do a show. Maybe you guys could have shown a rerun. I mean, maybe you could have shown a, a pay-per-view from six months ago, kind of what they're doing now with Raws and SmackDowns, which is showing old <laughs> matches. Um, I didn't envy JR going to that funeral. Uh, I, mm -mm. I probably just wouldn't have gone. I mean, just I mean, I'm I'm guessing that the reason that the only reason that they were so furious at WWE was because of that tribute show. And I mean, you know, having lost somebody that was close to me at a young age previously, and knowing how raw everything is for those first couple weeks, if not first couple months, I I just wouldn't have gone. I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. They probably shouldn't have the show. <laughs> Jr. probably shouldn't have gone to the funeral. Sounds like a pretty rough deal, but I found it. I've watched a few of the uh, season one episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Montreal Screwjob, and the Fabulous Moolah one. Um, they're really well done. They are top notch, top notch documentaries, and I thought last night's was was no different. The the son really affected me the most because he's probably, I mean, he's he's paid the most. I mean, not trying to not trying to put a scorecard on who who grieves who can grieve the worst but man he was uh really open and it also got me when they said has anybody from wrestling reached out to you and he said Chavo Guerrero and Chris Jericho those are the only two and then that really makes you think when Jericho says it's almost like they got blamed for what Benoit did even though they had nothing to do with it that that is kind of how it feels for David Benoit his older son uh, Jason. No, I agree. Um, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit on Chris Benoit, but I'll just jump back to that. I think David Benoit is carrying his dad's name and all the sins that come with it. And that's ultimately not fair to him. I mean, clearly he's just trying to live his life past an one of a, the biggest tragedies in wrestling history. I mean, that's just wrestling. We're not even talking about him as the person, the son. So, I mean, everybody kind of needs to take a step back and try to, you know, look at it from his point of view. He, he's the guy that has to keep going on with day-to-day -day life. So, I mean, I don't understand how people on Twitter are even 
coming to him sideways. That just, it blows my mind how you, you can even mess with this man, ridicule this man for just trying to put the pieces back together and live his life. Now, just on Chris Benoit, the wrestler, I said it, I put it on, on Twitter on our um, Twitter page or whatever, saying that, with, no, I'll take that back. It was a tweet for me personally. And I basically said that Chris Benoit would have a problem in today's WWE because of his size. And I meant size like height size, not size muscular-wise size. Um, that and the fact that he couldn't really speak very well would be another reason why I didn't think he would do very well. Physically, I think he would do fine. He could throw anybody in the ring around. Obviously, the, the benchmark is Brock Lesnar. That could be an interesting match just because Chris Benoit would be physically bigger than AJ, Finn, Daniel Bryan, any of the smaller guys you throw in his way, Kofi Kingston. Adam Cole. He could possibly throw, yeah, he could possibly throw some of these guys around. But ultimately, um, Chris Benoit, for me, would be a mid-card guy in 2020. Two beer. Good, just not great enough to break the ceiling. Two beer. What do you think Chris Benoit would do in a 2020? Uh, let's not limit it to WWE. Let's just say wrestling in general. How do you think he'd do? I mean, he would not be a Jericho because Jericho's greatest strength at the moment is not his in-ring work. It's his character ability and his top guyness, right? Um, but he would be that workhorse still. Uh, you know, he would be that guy that, say, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, right? Get in here and let's have a four-and-a-half-star match. I don't care who the hell you are. Right. We're just going to knock it out of the park. And um, I think that's probably the greatest analogy is what New Japan, how New Japan treats Ishii is wherever Benoit would be, that's that would be his role pretty much. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a wild thing uh, seeing that, especially with Jericho because of – where Jericho has ended up, and he was uh, slightly younger than Benoit. So Benoit would have been done by now anyway, but still hypothetically. Uh, it was cool to see that Jericho is, as uh, Sandra said, like a wrestling angel, right? Like really put those two people together that were hurting uh, Daniel and Sandra and whose life experiences only the two of them would able to be able to relate to and, you know, kind of started this healing process like uh, – Puts Jericho, I forgive him for having Donald Trump Jr. on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Uh, but uh, <laughs> what, what are you doing, Jericho? Uh, I appreciate the answer to your question, and that's also an interesting question as to, like, would he be an agent or would he be, you know, he's not really the guy that could be, like, a commissioner type. He'd probably be more like a Malenko who is with AEW currently, correct? Is that right? I don't, yeah, because yeah, be, there were no there were no people currently aligned with WWE on that documentary, probably because they wouldn't be allowed to. No, they have such Vince can, has such tight control over what his independent contractors do. Like they wouldn't be allowed to within you know anywhere of that studio. I so. guess I guess my question was I probably should have been clearer. What would a if you if you put Benoit in a DeLorean? If in 2001 or 2000 when he invaded WWE and put him right into the middle of the wrestling landscape in 2020, who would you compare him to? I mean, because obviously he moved really well. He wasn't huge, but he was probably bigger than some of the guys are now. I mean, taller, you know, at least. He's probably taller than Daniel Bryan. He's got to be, right? Yeah, I mean, he would, he would have adapted. Like, a lot of those guys that are... Um in the 2000s, right, uh, did did not, would not adapt to a modern-day style. Like, as great as Stone Cold and The Rock were, um, would they be great in ring in 2020? I don't think so. Uh, at least Austin post-injury, definitely not. Uh, maybe earlier career. But uh, Benoit, because of his, like, dedication and because of, like, his already kind of, like, hard-hitting style, like, strong style, like, he would still be relevant in 2020 as far as his ring work and eddie also eddie would probably even more so because he has that more of a high flying ability uh but yeah as far as like comparisons i still think uh ishii 
is probably my my biggest comparison, even though he's a little bit less stocky. I think I think in ring he would be like that. It's it's not bad. It's it's a pretty good comparison. Um, I would love to see him. I, I just thought of a dream match. I would love to see a Benoit Zack Saber Jr. match. Both guys in their prime. That sounds to oh, me. God, yeah. That sounds to me like something to be really Ooh. fun. You know, he, he probably. He, he, I don't know. Like all all the guys I'm trying to think of, Benoit. It's just such a. It's a more high flying game. He's the now. guy that jumps off for me. Who's it? Who is? Pac is the guy, Neville, whatever you want to call him. That's the guy that jumps off for me. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good comparison, too. They're probably closer to the same size, except uh, while they both went to the top rope, there was no red arrow. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, if, maybe if Benoit saw a guy do a red arrow, maybe Benoit could, could have added it to his repertoire if he started trying it really early. Um, he just wants somebody to hit him in the head with a chair on the way down. Right, I don't. You know what was really, you know what really fucked me up though, watching that, and I kept waiting for him to do it, and they never did it. Was they kept talking about Eddie Malenko and Benoit when they made the jump to WWE, and they kept cutting Perry Saturn out of the picture, and they never, they never said his name. I was wrong. Perry Saturn was the real victim. <laughs> He's the victim of that of the documentary for sure. They never said yeah. his name. Did he get me too or something? I, I why? Stop being a bark. I'm not, I just like I just like the dress. You know how I feel about Perry Saturn. I just like that angle where he had to wear the dress and then he started liking to wear the dress. He'll always be one of the, that was always one of my favorite angles. But it seriously, why didn't they ever mention Perry Saturn? Any uh, is there any idea? Um, I, seriously, I don't. Not unless he's is he in on the outs with Vince for some reason that we don't know about. All those people in the documentary on the outs with Vince. I think it's likely that uh, it's just kind of irrelevant. All those other he's probably not doing anything. All those other guys are still very relevant in the in the business. You know. Is it maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's because Perry Saturn maybe they asked him to be on the documentary he just said no or something they were like well we can tell the story without him I just I just I know, know he seems like a crazy bastard like I I feel like maybe he's just uh, a little loony and uh, nobody cares because I don't know maybe that's his character but he always just he seems like a goddamn weirdo that's not the Perry Saturn I know. I mean, the Perry Saturn that I know was always, you know, he's got his doctorate. I'm pretty sure. I mean, he no, I mean, obviously he's Perry crazy. Saturn to me seems like the Jefferson County version of Rick Steiner. Oh man, that is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! For those of the you not, for those of you not, people that live locally will get that joke. <laughs> for those of you that don't live in the St. Louis area, trust me, that joke is on point. Um. <laughs> That's really, that's really good because considering that like uh, Rick Steiner was oh man I can't come up with anything quick enough Rick Steiner wasn't he wasn't big city though either um, one more thing I want to bring up before we move on to the two count Jason are there really people on Twitter that are running down Benoit's kid for his participation in that documentary uh. Say the question again. I, uh, you kind of broke up towards the tail end of it. You were talking about people on Twitter that were coming after Benoit's kid for his participation in the documentary. That's a thing that's going on out there? Well, no. He said it on the documentary or whatever uh, that, you know, on, uh, on Twitter that people were coming after him just for whatever reason, you know, making fun of him because of what happened with his dad or that he has the Benoit name and I mean, damn, you know, if, if you got to take time out of your day, day to do that, you know, you just ain't got nothing to do in life. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Just, that's, that's just troll ass shit. And that, that's really just, you know, a, just a low blow. Yeah. And just fuck off and die, man. I mean, life. I thought it took that guy. I mean, obviously he's a man now. I thought it took that kid a lot of courage to, to step up and look into the camera and take part in that documentary. And I, I felt for him and I, I'm rooting for him. I thought, I, I thought he was great to be honest. And, uh, I hope he doesn't wrestle. That's all I can ask. Yeah. I, you know, I Googled him and it, there was some stuff about him going to AEW. 
he wanted to wrestle as Chris Benoit Jr., but it was all it was all dirt sheet. Like it was it wasn't even the good dirt sheets. It was like the ones that nobody ever reads. So I, I don't buy it. Um I think that's gonna do it. Uh let's move to our two counts. One, two, three. Two beer, what's the two count? Two count is uh, I guess WrestleMania hindsight is twenty twenty here. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, a definitely interesting and constantly evolving situation here with uh, WrestleMania season and just things much larger than WrestleMania. So there is definitely a lot more going on than just WrestleMania, but it is WWE's biggest time uh, to make money. Uh, traditionally speaking. So it's where, like we say, all roads lead to WrestleMania, all roads lead to Roman. Uh, we have to figure out like where we're going and what WWE is doing uh, to fix their current situation is uh, they're going to go ahead and go on with the show. They are taping it in multiple locations and airing it over two days. I think they're which... taping it right now. They yeah, have to. Too. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so the their mandate says by midnight tonight they uh they have to be done. So yeah, they they have to be taping right now. So yeah, they're uh, they're taping it over multiple days and they'll be airing it. I don't even know if it's a, if it's a Saturday Sunday situation that's going to be on pay per view two separate days. I have no idea how they're going to go about that outside of the network. Like what the pricing is going to be. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to pirate it like I always do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing is the uh, NXT takeover, which is going to, is the smartest move, I think, which gives you content throughout uh, the next month is to wrestle each one of those takeover matches as a main event on their weekly Wednesday show, which is very smart because they are competing with another emerging wrestling company. So they're essentially giving you five pay-per-view main events for five weeks, and that will give them an edge. Now, at the same time, ratings during this period, pretty much throw them out the window. I mean, doesn't really matter. Like, nothing, nothing matters right now. I mean, the entire world is different, and whoever wins or loses these ratings over the next five weeks isn't going to matter, but I am thankful that we're going to have some, something to look forward to every Wednesday over the coming weeks. So that'll be interesting. Jason, what do you think? Um, WrestleMania is going to be a, a little weird just because like you said, it's happening as we speak. Um, I know last week I was saying that postponing WrestleMania would probably be the best bet, but Upon retrospect, thinking about just listening about uh, how Major League Baseball, ML, uh, NBA, NFL are going to start running into venue problems in a little bit. That's probably the big, be the biggest issue kind of moving forward where you couldn't just postpone WrestleMania. So I, obviously I have to backtrack on that. Um, I agree with Zach about NXT moving forward with them taping all these shows every week, you would have a main event match. Next week is the uh, NXT North American triple threat match. You'll have Chapel Gargano, which I still don't understand why it doesn't have, a, that doesn't have some sort of stipulation, but neither here nor there. And you have all these other matches to basically move yourself through the month of April and you can kind of see how the landscape kind of unfolds from that point on. Um, just for WWE-wise, just re WrestleMania is just in that tough spot where, unfortunately, all of this is happening right around the time, like Zach said, this is their biggest show of the year. They probably have no choice. They have to do it. You couldn't put these storylines on hold for six to eight weeks, come back to it, and still have that same kind of fervor to it. So... Yeah, I, I feel bad for a little bit for Vince. Not too, too bad because, I mean, you know, Vince is that bad guy I like to root against from time to time. But I think they're doing the best they can with the situation given. It makes sense. Now, what they do moving forward, you know, they how long you can tape, 
for Raw and SmackDown, there's the next question. I mean, you can't go too far because you can... WrestleMania is the biggest thing. If you can get WrestleMania tape, everything else, just put some replays on it and just kind of figure it out from that point on and just keep your fingers crossed that NXT keeps the boat afloat, I guess. So something you said there just kind of grabbed me. So you feel bad for you. The first thing you thought is that you might feel bad for Vince. You know who I feel bad for. I feel bad for me. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to do it. It's just, I know, but I mean, Champa Gargano in an empty stadium or in an empty arena just should not be the blow off, which is what they're going for. And obviously, like you said, they can't put the storylines off that far. Edge Orton, you know, that that promo that Orton cut at the end of Raw this week, that that's probably the best. He's he's doing the work of his whatever stage of this career that we're in for Orton. He's doing incredible work. And that Orton edge match has been a good build. And I want to see that match in front of people. And I don't want it to be a, I, like a last man standing match with no crowd. Just seems like such a bummer, man. It just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. You know, that's what, that's what I feel shitty about. I mean, I mean, fuck Vince. I mean, he's got Saudi Arabia money. I feel bad for the performers. I feel bad for all the fans. And most of all, I feel bad for Perry Saturn. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that what t- tonight's title is going to be? I feel bad for Perry Saturn. <laughs> I mean, that that could be the title of every single show because we never talk about him. So yeah, I always feel bad for Perry Saturn. <laughs> there are thirteen matches on Raw, or, or not on Raw, on re- set up for WrestleMania right now. It is so a like ten too many. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know which ones I would take out. To be honest, I mean, well, I mean, I know a few that I take out. Obviously, oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. We don't. We don't need to. What we don't need to see: Aleister Black versus Lashley. Uh, you know, nope. We don't need to see. We don't need to see Goldberg versus Reigns. I guess I do want to see it, but it. I, I'm. I know. I mentioned this last week. I don't know if you listened to it last week, Zach. I am not opposed to the idea of them piping in fake sound during the match. Not at all. I mean, you could do sound, you could even do, it's kind of weird, but you could do some kind of soundtrack or score. Like, I don't know, these are, it's definitely time to get creative, you know what I mean? Like, we saw on, and I'm going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but like, just AEW this week, uh, and last week, they got creative, right? You know, when you're backed into a corner, you can do stuff, sometimes you can do stuff that you wouldn't otherwise be able to, like fly a drone in a building, you can't do that in a building full of people but you right. can do it in an empty one right so but yeah just uh i don't know uh, i don't think roman reigns should be traveling like and goldberg's not young you know like dudes like Le- roman reigns is legit immunocompromised like he does not need to wrestle goldberg this weekend right especially with goldberg's history of hepatitis now d- don't fact check that on me guys do not <laughs> i'm just going to assume that Goldberg has some kind of hepatitis. Um, Plus, he's yeah. always spitting. I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, that's the opposite of social distancing is having Goldberg hoist you up for the shittiest jackhammer of all time. <laughs> good Lord, uh, what was I getting ready to say? Plus, I think it's got. I think that. I think that playing in front of nobody has got to affect the booking decisions too, right? Like, I would have been oh, sure. Yeah. I would have been sure that in front of 70,000 people at Tampa Bay Stadium, or I don't even know what it's called, but... Raymond James. Thank you. Uh, that they would put McIntyre over Lesnar, but if you're going to have this big career-making moment for a guy like McIntyre, which they obviously had in, had in mind because they put him over in the Royal Rumble, you don't want to do that in front of nobody, do you, Jason? No, and I was thinking about that the other day where this was becoming a reality. WrestleMania is about the moments, and Drew's moment, if you're a Drew fan, is, you know, to beat Brock on the biggest stage and finally have this, you know, storybook ending where he holds 
the title up and, you know, he slays the beast, so to speak. It would just be weird to see him do this and doesn't have that moment. That's where I think where, you know, if you weren't sure who's going to win, this is where it could flip because the landscape is different. There's nobody there. They can get away with some some questionable booking and just have us go off on Twitter and not have to worry about what happens physically in the stand. So, yeah, there might be some things that happen that weekend where we're like, you know, what the fuck? That might be a reason. Or a reason. Better choice of words. All right. So, uh, of the 13 matches... In an empty arena, is the one that you're still looking forward to the most the same as it was when the build started, uh, Zach? Yeah, because it was Orton and Edge, and there's no other match with or without. It's not going to, none of them are going to get better. So, with or without an audience, it's not going to get better. And I would say that over the past couple weeks, they're the only angle on main roster that has stayed interesting and relevant because those guys were able to cut not only such good promos, but I think the fact that the buildings were empty, actually better promos, uh, which is like weird, but especially edge, I feel like his stuff came off much better. It was really, really personal. Exactly. So uh, that's still like a number one. It's really the only one that feels like a, a real WrestleMania match. I feel like the other ones could be at SummerSlam or whatever, outside the fact that Drew won Royal Rumble and that's a traditional thing. Everything else just seems like it could be on another big four. Uh, that's the only one that feels like WrestleMania to me. Or, or a Saudi Arabia show. Like, Arabia. I mean, Cena, Cena Fiend, Cena Bray Wyatt. Didn't they say they were going to do it in a restaurant or something? I mean... Uh, he tweeted that he wanted to do it in a Hooters. Bray right. No, I can answer that question because this is the this is what apparently is going to happen. It's going to be similar to Orton, Bray Wyatt, um, maybe not with cockroaches, but fake that kind of match where <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's not going to be in-ring match is the way I'm envisioning it. I'm thinking like uh, this is their their spin on when Matt Hardy had their match on the Hardy compound. Think something like that. So like Guy Fieri is going to be the referee and it's going to be like diners and pile <laughs> drive-ins and dives. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to they're going to show that far. <laughs> I'll just say this. If we take a trip to the Firefly Funhouse during that match, do not be surprised. Like they go through like an alternate dimension, and it's like, I think it'd be funny if they had like the House of Horrors match, but instead of showing like maggots and cockroaches on, it would be like wings, like breaded wings, and then some unbreaded wings, and maybe like some cheese fries underneath them, you know? Some titties and JoJo's ass. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I am. I, I'll tell you what. I am not look. I, I'm not looking forward to that. I. You know. Like Zach said, like this is time to get creative, and I know we've talked before about how WWE works best when they're put into a corner, but not when they're put into a corner with a whole month to think about it. Because I don't trust them. I don't trust Vince, who's going to have his hands all over the. You know, if Vince has his hands all over it, he's going to have his hands extra all over this because it's so unusual. And it's so, it's just, I, I just can't, I, it just doesn't feel like WrestleMania. It's a bummer, to be honest. You know what I would do? And this is just me. Like, this is crazy. But, I mean, it's also something they could very easily do. Send everybody home. Let them collect their guaranteed money. Take your tens of thousands of hours of content that already exists and create amazing television over the last 30 years of WWF, WWE, I'm going to be interested and people are going to be interested in watching because it's like their glory heydays show Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10 ladder match and just stuff like that. Put that on regular TV. And then during this time off, 
let the wrestlers rest up, let them get their injuries healed, get your 40 people that write these shows and put them all in a teleconference and book out an entire year of wrestling and don't deviate from it. Like, it, it should not be that complicated. Like, right. you now have the time to do a reset, book, do Gato booking, Gato-style booking, long-term storytelling, and just do it. Well, then, and also, if you were to do that, because apparently these old matches that they're showing on Raw and SmackDown, these pay-per-view matches that they're showing to fill out the time are getting great ratings. They're drawing. They're drawing better than the current product. Right. So you could do that. You could show Razor Moan, Shawn Michaels. You could show, you know, Rock Hogan or whatever you want to show these all-time matches. And in between, show vignettes for the guys that you have now. And maybe yeah, take exactly. the maybe take these part timers. Now this is completely hypothetical because there's no way they're ever going to do this. But this is just us showing that we're smarter than the people that actually do this. <laughs> As if there was ever any doubt. Um, tell him, Daddy. Uh, I'm looking forward to Edge Orton. Yes, of course. I'm, I was also really looking forward to Lesnar McIntyre, and still am. Um, you know, they showed. One of my favorite matches of the last ten years on Raw the other night, and it showed not not the oh my god, sorry, I'm watching NXT UK right now, um, and it showed that when when Lesnar <laughs> when Lesnar is motivated, Duke can have great matches, just killer matches. And I uh, forgot how good that match was until I started watching it again. I was like, okay, dude, right? Yeah, that match is fire, right? Yeah, God damn that match rules, man! I love when Lesnar. I love when uh, he does the Phoenix, when Rollins does the Phoenix Splash, and Lesnar's been out of the match for like five minutes, and Lesnar just runs in, picks Rollins up almost before he's done hitting the move, and just suplexes the fucking shit out of him. Yeah, I marked I out mean, again. I've watched that match eight times. It just shows how freakish an athlete Brock Lesnar is. That. That end, that finish right there is all Brock Lesnar and how freakish he is just physically. It's scary to watch, but just amazing finish. Yeah, fucking ruled. Uh, anything, any other thoughts about WrestleMania? Um, nah. I agree with everybody else. Edge Orton is the match I want to watch, most importantly. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I never asked with you. The, no, with that, I don't care. With or without the crowd, the, the story has been the best story of the bunch. And I'll just say this about promo-wise. If you don't talk, if you don't do speeches well, you're not going to do promos well. And I think it's easier to do it when there's nobody there versus 13,000 people there. By two cents. Yeah. Oh, he speaks so well. Oh, Colin Powell, he speaks so well. Uh, let's get on to that. Three counts. One. All right, so as Zach alluded to earlier, uh, we had, of course, Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, the show must go on, as these guys have taught us. Uh, so I'll start off with AEW. AEW had a couple of interesting parts in it. Uh, the ones that stood, actually, it had a bunch of interesting parts. You had Vanguard <laughs> provide a Nick Jackson update, and which is strange, but I liked it. Uh, Jericho and Hardy confronted each other. That is... Those are two guys that have known each other for 25 years, and while Hardy's character might kind of threaten to go off the deep end sometimes, I feel like Jericho's promo kept him very grounded. Uh, Brody Lee uh, had a squash match, which is cool. Uh, his vignette, to me, uh, he's... I just don't like it when guys come to AEW and then they spend all their time talking about WWE. He obviously had some little jabs towards Vince. Like one of one of the Dark Order guys sneezed in front of him. He yelled at him for sneezing, which apparently Vince McMahon sees sneezing as a weakness. Uh, he didn't let anybody else eat uh, until he was done eating, which I guess is a Vince McMahon thing. I'd never heard that one. Um, couple other things, and then I'll ask you guys' thoughts about it. It looks like we're heading towards a Hager-Moxley match, which doesn't do much for me, um, but I guess they got to do something. In be I mean, that's not going to be at the next pay-per-view, is it? Am I getting that wrong? 
I don't think anybody knows when the next pay-per-view is. Okay. Exactly. I was just getting to say that. And then um, I liked when Jake Roberts and Lance Archer called out Cody, and Cody said to Lance Archer, "You don't have, you don't have any wins or losses here at here at AEW. Like if you come into AEW, your your matches don't start with me. So you're gonna fight somebody next week, but it's not gonna be me." I like that because in WWE, some guy could just come in and automatically get a title shot, even if you've never seen it before. It's like, oh, well, you know, he came out during this guy's promo, so now he gets a title shot. So I like AEW sticking with the script, sticking with their own ethos there by saying, you know, we're going to treat this more like a sport and that Lance Archer just doesn't get to come in and go right at Cody. Uh, thoughts on that, Tubeer? Yeah, with the Lance Archer thing, it did kind of surprise me because um, if Cody's a baby face who... Like, you know, you'd think, like, he'd be like, I'll accept any challengers. But he, like, kind of big-shotted him, which yeah. is kind of funny. Which is just in character. Like, I mean, he's a total baby face. But Cody can also be that, um, you know, he does not he, – he comes across as a baby face. But he is a big deal. And he can act, he acts like a big deal in the suit. Like, when we met him, dude was at an indie show in goddamn uh, – <laughs> You know, $5,000 suit. So – were you guys there when we met him? Because my picture, because <laughs> my picture is just, it's just him and me. It's just him and me standing next to each other. This motherfucker. I don't remember you, you guys Jason being there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, the uh, the show was uh, was definitely, you know, as good as can be. These guys are out there, you know, trying to make the best of it. I can see some people having some issues with the Matt Hardy stuff because of the teleportation but dude like if you're gonna do it this is the this is the week to do it because first of all it's an empty arena stuff you know we need some entertainment i need some silliness and like you said jericho kept it grounded like jericho was in there those guys went at it verbally for what seemed like 10 minutes i don't know how long it actually was but it was a while and Matt Hardy is a crazy guy who says he's 3,000 years old. Right. And <laughs> we all know that he's not 3,000 years old. And Jericho's like, well, we, we, Matt Hardy we assume like, he's not 3,000 years old. <laughs> yes, we assume he's not. And Matt Hardy, or Jericho's just like, no, you're just Matt Hardy. And I just loved their back and forth. So, uh, you know, this, those guys are, you know, definite, like, professionals. Like, this is going to be fun. And, you know, we had a great match with uh, Kenny Omega and Sammy Guevara that would have been better with crowd heat, but at the same time, it was definitely a, a good, solid match. Went on for quite a while. Well, I think for a Jason long tweeted, time. Yeah, Jason tweeted, he's like, oh, this is a main event already. And, uh, yeah, it was like the show kind of flies by still, even though you think that it would drag because there's no crowd. And this year, not this year, this week, they were limited. They can only have, like, 10 people in a room at a time so they didn't have all the locker room out in the crowd like they did the week before so they were a little bit more limited but it still flew by and it was a good time and nxt um nxt was a show and there was a little bit more in ring like they mic'd the ring and had them like trash talking in the ring and that was cool so i mean i i'm not gonna be too critical of either show any show right now i'm just happy to see a little bit of good wrestling and uh you know, trying they're trying their best. I mean, I'm the same way except for SmackDown. SmackDown sucks. Uh Jason, what, <laughs> what Jason, what did Jason did do you want to talk us down through uh NXT? Um yeah, I have it in front of just, me if you want me to give you reminders. No, I was gonna say I just wanted to piggyback on the Lance Archer uh Cody thing and then we could talk NXT uh moving forward. Um I like the fact that Cody said that Jake comes with the, the promo, just, you know, Hey, just give us the one meeting. And Cody's like, you know, we're not going to do that sort of thing. Next week, they just need to show up and just be like, okay, so what the fuck now? You going to have a meeting with us? No. And just, if not, just start tearing through the roster in some form or fashion and make Lance Archer that kind of credible heel. Not saying that he gets the Cody match right away. I agree. He shouldn't. But if you don't, if Caesar doesn't want to take a meeting with us, then we're going to, you know, create havoc in Rome until Caesar wants to meet us. What okay. I, now, go ahead. Sorry. You can jump to NXT. 
Ah, oh, see, I said we weren't going to do that, and then I did it. What a fucking unprofessional piece of shit I am. I was just going to say that Lance Archer, it would be nice to see Lance Archer be just a complete wild card and start running through guys that have already been there and already won a bunch of matches. You know, it'd be nice to see him. I, I'm not saying this because you guys like Darby Allen and I don't. It'd be nice to see him be a Darby Allen. It'd be nice to see him be a Jake Hager. It'd be nice to see him go through a couple heels too and just be like, I, I'm not a heel or a face. You know, I'm here. I'm a badass, and I'm ready to take on everybody on his way to meet Cody. Like, that. that's how I would book it just – you know, just a thumbnail sketch. He's got sketch. beef with Moxley, too. Sorry to interrupt you, but he's got beef with Moxley, New Japan. Like, they don't ignore that kind of stuff. Right. They don't, they don't recognize it as far as, like, you know, you have to earn your dues in this company, but, like, they don't ignore it. Like, there's, you know, that's going to be a thing. Like, Archer and Moxley is going to be a thing sometime. And Jake Hager is not a bad way for Moxley to start his title reign. It's not like he's going to – somebody's got to face him to start. Why not Jake Hager? No, you're right. Hager losing to Moxley is not bad. No, you're right. No. It just doesn't excite me, you know? It doesn't get my juices flowing, you know? I need my juices flowing. You guys know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally leaving that alone. On NXT! I need my juices, you know, flowing hard enough to push out like a a kidney stone, you know what I mean? Just something just just (laughs) like Superman, you know? Well, you need Flomax taking one <laughs> daily. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. Good point. Thank you for pointing that out, Jason. Uh, Jason, what did you think about the Dijak, Dijakovic, uh, Keith Lee, Damian Priest segment? Uh, it made me a. It made me hate Damian Priest more for whatever reason. I, I just watch, just listening to him talk just made my skin crawl, and I just can cannot get past that. B. Uh, Keith Lee, I thought, basically made that segment go around. You could tell begrudgingly he made a mistake, and it came across as such. So kudos to Keith Lee. C, Dijakovic, friend of me of this show, came across as, fuck, I don't even care if you hit me because you thought it was, you know, um, Damian Priest. I still want the title, and it plays itself out so in a way, I didn't like this to begin with, but now it starts to make storylines sense, and they've made sense of this little gumbo. So next week, they'll have the match. I'm I'm good with it. I want to see the match. As long as Damian Priest doesn't win, I'm okay. Zach? Yeah, uh, that was well done. Like, these guys are going to continue this feud, and at least this adds, like, a little bit of a twist to it. And it's not just, hey, let's just keep throwing these guys in here, fight forever. Uh, I'm okay with it. Like, they put on good matches. And honestly, if Dijakovic doesn't have Keith Lee, uh, who does he have? Because Dijakovic stands out with Keith Lee and maybe another big athletic guy. But that's the kind of match that Dijakovic has. And, you know, we can see him squash like littler dudes. But his whole thing is being spectacular as a big man with another big man. I just, I don't know what Dijakovic's career looks like when he's not wrestling Keith Lee. Well, we did see him fight in Illinois at our very first, when we met him, was it him? Yeah, versus... he wrestled Mark Fuji, who's like an yeah, all-time man. all Japan great. So, I mean, like, it's still hard to say. Yeah, but still, you know, like a little guy, you know. I mean, go ahead, shit on my point. Um, there was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there was some other, uh, for, for the record, I, I think I, I agree with Jason. I mean, Damien Priest, I did not like the way that he talked. I mean, I think that he's a pretty good heel, I guess. He's not really the best promo. I think I like seeing the story with a little bit of nuance. And the nuance is, is that Keith Lee and Dijakovic have this mutual respect Dijakovic saved his ass, and then Keith Lee fucked up. And I was, <laughs> there was a point where I was like, man, Keith Lee should really apologize here. Like, what is wrong with just Keith Lee apologizing? And that's when you realize that you've been married too long. Um, so <laughs> um, there were two other, two other noteworthy parts of the show. There, there was some good action. Austin Theory, Tyler Breeze was fun. I like that they had Tyler Breeze go over. Um 
Cameron Grimes got a good win against Tony Nese. Uh, there was some other stuff. Riddle Strong had a good match, and then uh, a guy named Malcolm Bivens, who was in Ring of Honor as a manager. I think his name was Isaiah Stokely. Stokely Hathaway. Stokely Hathaway. Stokely is Hathaway. Not Isaiah. Right. Stokely Hathaway. Thank you. He came in with two huge dudes <laughs> that uh, beat the shit out of Riddle. Uh, we were never told what their name was. I looked on the internet today. I couldn't find anything. I didn't look that hard. Do we know who those guys are? I think it was uh, Akim and Razar, right? Oh, yeah, no, those guys. Oh, that's it. right. That's right. See, not everybody looks the same, Zach. God damn it. <laughs> was that, <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, wait, did you just call Did that. you just call Zach racist for mixing up uh <laughs> For mixing up, eth, uh, you know, ethnically diverse people with hairy people? Because <laughs> that's not racist. What, what ism is it? Because that's what that shit is. <laughs> Hairism? I don't know. <laughs> okay, fine. Hairism Where the is. fuck are authors of Bane? Uh, you know what else? Just looking at this WrestleMania card, it blows me away that Rusev isn't on it. Um... But uh, Authors of Pain, the dude tore his bicep like a couple weeks ago, so uh, they were going to fight Street Profits, but mm, now, yeah. Uh, actually, I'd, ra- I'd rather see Street Profits versus Andrade and Garza, to be honest. Um, yeah, but it's a bummer because those guys are always getting hurt at the wrong time. Uh, so, any thought? I mean, this does liven up the liven up the NXT tag team division a little bit. Any thoughts on those guys? Malcolm Biffin seems. I mean, it's got to be strange to make a debut in front of nobody. I can't. I guess. I, I guess I am belaboring the point. I said not to belabor the point, but it's just got to be so strange. But that's fun. I like managers, right, guys? Yeah, absolutely, man. Stokely Hathaway, I saw him on Evolve. I didn't really see him in Ring of Honor, and he was a part of the reason why I started watching Evolve more on a regular basis because of his feud. I can't think of the the guy he had a feud with that ended up becoming a Goose Fugues Evolve match where, I mean, he laid it on the line. You know, he took the bumps. You know, he, he shed blood, the whole shebang. So for me, I have the utmost respect for him just in that fact and the fact I like his managers and he spoke very well. The only thing, like you said, Bill, he speaks so well. say their names. And that's why I was like, okay, well, we all know, want to know who these guys are. The announced team didn't say who these guys are, so they dropped the ball there. But I thought the segment, the match itself was cool. You kind of know that Matt Riddle was going to win. But then the, the swerve at the end, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't see that coming. Loved it, loved it, loved it. You just didn't see their say their name. That's right. the only. Bad you know part. whose name they definitely weren't was Tahuti Miles because I heard Tahuti Miles' name so many times that I now know Tahuti Miles is Tahuti Miles. <laughs> what anybody his, else notice that? What's his name? Yeah, they say his name a lot. What's they his, his what's name? His name? It was like Tahuti Miles. It was like whenever say he, it again. Those guys in Super Troopers got pulled over and they're like, all right. Let's see how many times we can say meow without them noticing. And like Tom Phillips and Byron Saxon are like, all right, now next segment, we're going to say Tahuti Miles 200 times. And they did. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. You know but I know his name now. It was the first time I saw him, and I'll never forget. You know who else's name they didn't say during NXT? Who's? Perry Saturn. Didn't oh, even yeah. mention him. Didn't even fucking mention Perry Saturn. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't believe that either, honestly. Just, I mean, you know, I don't even know what's going on in the XP. That poor bastard. I didn't see one ball chain necklace or one chain wallet. That's because <laughs> there's there nobody in the stands. Otherwise, you would have seen thousands of them. Um, <laughs> so, and then and the, the, last, the last segment was Ciampa Gargano with Hunter. And I got to say, boys, that was a great segment. Those are... Those, those are three guys in the ring that when they have to, they can turn it on and make something seem very important. And all three of those guys did. Who was your MVP of that segment, Zach? Uh, always Johnny. Uh, yeah. Really. Even though I, I love uh, Champa as well. But the, the main reason is this, like, complexity of, like, where Johnny 
turns it up the whininess just enough to be like kind of heelish, but he's still like right enough to kind of be a baby face. Well, when, and, when I think I think I know exactly what you're talking about because Hunter says, "When do you guys want to do this? You want to do this tonight?" And Chompa's like, "Yeah," and Johnny quickly goes, "No." And you're like, oh, what a whine. Exactly. And you're like, what a whiny little bitch. And he goes, he put me through a table two weeks ago. And it's like, ah, that's actually a pretty good point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, he's right. Like, he's like, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Also- you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Uh, Jason, exactly. what do you think about this segment? Nah, the segment? Uh, the segment was okay, but I, but I, I got to agree with Zach on this. But I'm not saying is it to just to piggyback it. When he came out and accused Chapel of diving through the window. So that's the callback to uh, to Bobby Heenan talking about uh, Mari Janae's trying to get away from Shawn Michaels so he threw himself through the, the window. Right there, that he so wanted for me absolute comedy central. That was the whole segment. I mean, I had to go back and rewind from that point on because I was laughing so hard because he put that out there and then Hunter was like, so nothing's your fault. So you super kicked the referee, so that's not your fault? Jai's like, no, that's not my fault either. (laughs) It's just enough to where you're like, dude, he's acting like such a bitch, but he's still, at the end of the day, he has a point. He was left, he was the baby face when Ciampa left, and you decided to go break your neck. I mean, like, the little shit he did throughout that whole segment just made me laugh, but he still has a point. He left, and Chopper left, and then came back, and then the next thing you know, everybody's talking about Daddy's home. Well, what the fuck? How does he become everybody loves Chopper because he broke his fucking neck? I'm sorry that you broke his neck. I wish it was me. So, see, that's what I'm saying. It was little stuff throughout that whole recap that made me really look at Gargano coming off better in this whole thing than anybody else. Chopper is just good, and he's just intense. He doesn't need to say much. The best heels are the ones Gargano's that have a point. Making this, yeah, and he's making this uh, few go towards the end, if this is the end. The two things that were really funny about this, one, Hunter says, I'm going to find an empty building. I was like, well, <laughs> they're all empty. I think you're, you're already there. Uh, <laughs> but the other thing is... They oh, you mean you're not going to go to Chuck E. Cheese? Oh, you're not going to you're not going to go to the uh, Dave and Buster's. They're all empty buildings. If they went to Chuck E. Cheese, like they would just get mixed up, mixed Johnny Gargano up with all the kids, <laughs> uh, which brings it to my next point. Which I don't know if you guys talked about this last week, but they in that awesome video package that they showed last week, they straight up showed us that. WWE does not know how to recognize or recruit talent because their two biggest NXT stars and two of the greatest storytellers of this decade were turned down in their recruitment because of their height. Right. So first of all, why are you even letting guys in the door if they're not 6'2", if you're not going to hire them, and you can't recognize talent, you're supposed to be the greatest wrestling company in the world, and you can't recognize two of the greatest performers in the world when they walk through your door. Right. Like, that's outrageous to me. And, I mean, we know that. Like, we know it because we talk about it all the time, but they're literally telling us that they can't do it. It's insane to me. Like, that's now storyline. Like, that's WWE's storyline. It's canon. It's canon in WWE that they don't know how to recruit talent. It's insane. And also, Chuck Taylor pulled Rick Rude, was the first guy to be on both Wednesday Night War shows because he was in the background of that (laughs) recruitment video, which is really funny. Look at that. Hey, guys, uh, we have about five minutes left before I have to... Uh, before we got to go um, because <laughs> well my computer doesn't have the correct program to tape this on and my wife teaches yoga here in about 10 minutes so uh, who's the who who is Kevin Cross I mean because something came up at the end where uh, Gargano and Ciampa were watching and Triple H and then they played that video that said TikTok and showed the white owl and then Kevin Cross was there it's Killer Cross. That's Killer Cross, right? His name's Kevin yeah, Cross, yep. though, right? Well, it's going to be. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be. Uh, so now they got Sam you know. Shaw, the serial killer. 
Killer Cross, Killian Dane. I don't know what my point was. I haven't even been drinking. <laughs> hey, yeah, I was getting ready to say, damn, man, you drunk already? Shit. No, I'm not. I'm not even drinking. Okay, I'm having a little bit of wine, but I mean, I'm not drunk. Okay, okay. that's going to do it for our three counts. <laughs> One, two, three. We also got to finish this before this Zoom video comes out because I'm not, or before it uh, you know, ends again because I'm not calling you guys back. Uh, there's really not a whole lot of odds and ends. Just uh, Goldberg and Reigns had their contract signing. Quick, any thoughts? Reigns read, held that segment together verbally. Uh, do you think that nobody else cares about uh, Georgia versus Georgia Tech as much as those two dirt turds do? Nobody gives a fuck, guys. No, nothing. So, uh, Georgia does, okay? We might not, but the, the state of Georgia definitely does. Fuck the state of Georgia and fuck the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, whoa, whoa. I mean, sorry. Um, what is a boneyard match, Zach? It is when you him your brother into the casket of your dead mother. Is that really it? No, I'm pretty sure it's a graveyard match, though. Uh, but I feel like they don't want to say graveyard because of COVID-19. So they're going to say boneyard. It's probably a way but for I them mean, to break up the uh, break up the monotony of a no no fan WrestleMania. Yeah, they're going to do a gimmick match. But if any uh, any lady listeners want me to tell them what a boneyard match is, we can uh, direct you to Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. I don't think you can impregnate anybody, anybody with a uh, kidney stone. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could. Maybe. maybe oh, God. Maybe uh, you'll end up having The Rock. Ah, oh, it's terrible. Oh. Terrible. Oh, oh, you guys should hear what I'm doing with the sound effects now. Um, okay. Uh, Paige announces a six pack match. I don't know what Dana Brooke and Tamina have done to earn a match at any time. We only have about a minute 30 left. Any thoughts? Dana Brooke's out. This is a five-way. It's the fastest way to get to uh, Bailey versus Sasha. So ultimately, it doesn't matter. All right. The thing I'm interested in seeing yep. them do is a jumping jack competition. We <laughs> ain't kidding, brother. This is banned from ringside. We got some birthdays. Charlie Haas is 48. Mr. Perfect, RIP, would have been 62. Umaga, RIP, would have been 47. Mustafa Ali is 34. Michael P.S. Hayes, the P.S. stands for piece of shit, is 61. Mike Rotunda, <laughs> a.k.a. IRS, a.k.a. Bo Dallas and Bray White's dad, is 62. Zach Gowan is 37. Trent Beretta, uh, we mentioned him last week, I think, was 33 and randy orton is my age he is 40 hey everybody we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to so we appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to listen to ours for fmb eatery for zach pullman's kidney stone for uh my cats for my dog for Jason Cornelius Bell. Hey, everybody. Just stay the fuck inside for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Just heed the advice of the experts. You ain't got to go nowhere. I am Brovid19 Bill Vagy, and everybody, boo the heels. <laughs> <laughs>